0: This is a podcast where we talk about the Dungeons and Dragons that we already played.
1: Alrighty then, it's very true. I'm never gonna play D and D again.
2: Exactly. <laughs> We're all gonna die.
0: We already did all die. The finale, At least though. Some of us.
3: What's D and D?
4: Hey guys, it's uh, it's us from Make Believe Heroes, but today we're not going to be playing any Dungeons & Dragons. I'm sorry, there'll be no rolling of the D20 and such for... Today we're not going to play Dungeons & Dragons, we're going to talk about Dungeons & Dragons. But, I'm your host, usual DM, Paul, and I'm joined by my four pals.
1: Hey guys, it's Jeremy, and I play No One. ho <laughs> ho. I'm not doing this.
0: (laughs) Do it. (laughs) I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alan.
2: And I play Alan. (laughs) Hi.
4: You guys are the best.
2: (laughs) I'm Red. That's about it.
4: Okay. So, like I said, (laughs) we're not playing Dungeons & Dragons today. Today, instead, we're going to give you our... Reactions to the finale. Then we're going to talk a little bit about season two. and We're going to dig into your questions and um, sad reacts only. start off. <laughs> yeah, start off by saying that we're all very humbled and appreciative of all the questions that you guys sent in. We got tons of questions. I'm hoping that we're going to have time to get through them all. We don't want to go over about an hour and a half on this recording, so we're going to get There's to a bucket. There's quite a few. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. Some of them will be quick and easy questions. Some of them are probably going to ignite some discussion. So we're just going to play it by ear, and hopefully you guys will be satisfied with what we can get out to you today. So, first of all, we just released a finale. Like, Yeah, we did. Five days ago. Woo! And My guts still hurt. <laughs> there, There were many reactions coming from Twitter. We got a few emails people reacting in person that we know uh, a lot of crying emojis and crying gifs and different things and it's it was GIF, um, not gif if you no there's gifs
0: gif is a peanut butter
4: we're not we're not debating gif and gif this is not the gif and gif debate <laughs> episode
3: that's an important debate remember choosy moms choose jpeg
4: <laughs> so wow. um but I just completely lost track of what I was going to say. Thank you. Most
3: people were happy crying
0: because someone died. Oh, man. (laughs) But they were also Um, sad crying because someone else died.
4: Yeah. See, the fact is, this was a tragic episode. If you have not listened, first of all, if you haven't listened, I don't really know why you're listening to the Q&A about the season. But if by some (laughs) chance you stumbled upon this, you're like, I'll check it out, and you download the most recent episode, you should go ahead, stop now hop back about 40-some episodes to Season 1, Episode 1, and listen through. So, at the very least, you need to listen to the finale Turn back. before you listen to this, or else we're going to just spoil everything. So, Road that was your warning. Flooded ahead. Turn back. So, let me just give you a very, very brief rundown. Our heroes finally made it to the Grove. It was revealed that the villain was Saluun but that she was actually one of the ten dragons. Yes, she was. The Dracon Kelly, and she was specifically Dimvarga the Shapeless, the black dragon. She then proceeded to start toward killing them all while pulling the stone from the center of the tree. She used a flute that she had crafted from the antler of the Autumn Stag to play a song that would open the tree, and after a pretty intense and grueling battle... Loric finally made his way up to her and then essentially kamikazed himself with a fireball mixed with Melf's minute meteors. So the explosion put Loric down, but Dembarga was still standing. Jim stepped forward and was able to deal her a killing blow, but then the dragon that was unleashed on them took everyone down except for Kellen. Now, Servants and Guy had already been dropped to zero hit points and were being controlled by the dragon. So they took... A death saving throw, leaving them both with two death saving throws. Long and short of it is, Guy didn't make it.
1: Yes, thanks, Paul. No, thanks,
4: uh, I'm, not <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm not sure why that's my fault, but um, I think if we DM should have rolled higher. I think for pointing fingers here, anyway. The it's magical fault. darts in the chest. No. Guy didn't make it. Anyone anyone Look, forehead remember? forehead? Oh, it was
2: forehead. Anybody else remember that? <laughs> I, I was there for that.
4: The stone sunk into the chest of Dimvarga's headless body, and then from it came this headless dragon that flew away. What's up with that? We can talk let's let's just get into all this. Let's just get right into it. So in regard to the finale, Alan. Yeah. What were your overall feelings? About the finale,
3: mostly fear. <laughs> like, what's going to happen now? what's What's the deal with Jim now? Like, what What's he going to do? And uh, I was really happy that Jim was able to uh, land the killing blow because he was not happy about Dim Varga and what had gone down. And mm-hmm. so, but uh, in general, you know, it was it was a uh, it was bittersweet. You know. We mm-hmm. we actually failed. We had been on a false quest the whole time. We, uh, but, but it was sweet in the sense that uh no it was bitter. No, it's just bitter. But <laughs> just bitter. But it was sweet in the sense <laughs> just that bitter. we uh we finished a season of the podcast and it was good radio. <laughs> I, gu- I wow. guess I guess
4: it was not sweet for Jim, is that what you're saying? No, I don't think it was sweet
3: for any of our party.
4: Hmm.
1: It was definitely sweet for Lorik.
4: The sweet embrace of death, mm-hmm. right? <laughs>
3: exactly.
4: So yeah. Jeremy, um, tell me, how do you feel? Oh man. How do you feel about this this finale? How everything should go. That shook
1: was out? the first D&D character I've ever had that's died, permadeath.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's, the first character has been killed by another character. First time a character has killed another character. Jeez. That's pretty epic. Very heavy. Um, I don't know. I wish that guy had survived and just Loric had died. But, again, that's the risk of the dice. Whenever you go and you make a move that's that risky. Oh, I'm going to drop somebody and hope they make 3 death saving throws. Or, that like, we kill this dragon before they have to make three death saving throws and Servants can run over and heal them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, The ending oh, was phenomenal. I, I really enjoyed it.
4: See, while we're talking about this, and we're kind of getting into some of these questions that were brought up, so I'll just throw one at you. This one was specifically to you, and uh, it was from Chess. He asked, were you really intending on killing off someone, like when you took God down, or were you going to eventually oh. turn at the end and defend your friends?
1: I think... Lorik would have let himself have dropped trying to get in. See, Lorik was thinking that if he could get through the shield, mm-hmm. that damage to her would be much more effective than damage to the Shadow Dragon. Yes. And so his intention was, I'll knock Guy out because Guy's easy to knock out. He's lowest level. You know, one magic missile is going to do it. No problem. Um, not knowing that Guy was going to be turned into a zombie against him.
4: How could you have known?
1: Yeah, exactly. That that for sure would get him. Into Varga, and he could fireball and set off all the meteors at once. Ah, no, his intention was never to kill anyone. It was that, oh, I'll drop guy, Servants will run over and heal guy. That's just not what happened.
4: Yeah, I don't or think healing that...
1: word guy or something, but no.
4: Yeah, I don't even know that Servants had healing word, but I don't nope. think that, um, I don't think that Larick intended on actually killing a friend. But let me put it to you like this if that was it, say that, um, you had dropped guy and Mm -hmm. she had said something along the lines of he's still alive that's not good enough
1: i don't think lorik would have continued to hit him
4: yeah i don't think so either because i think at that point he would just been fireball on the dragon yeah there's another question in here i can't find it off the top of my head here but i think there's a question or part of a question that said something along the lines of why would lorik have done that why why do that instead of just fighting outright why use deception And I think that's the key, is that Lark was being deceptive. He wanted to convince not just her, but he felt like he had to convince all of them that he was in love with her, that he was willing to do whatever to be with her, and therefore he he hurt his friend to get that point across and to achieve that goal. But I don't think he ever would have actually killed them he was obviously not turning he obviously wasn't trying to you know be a turncoat i mean he gets inside with her and he says to her that his friends are the only ones that ever truly helped him and even though he gives her that little mocking kiss and a wink or whatever and a smile i think lauric's plan because you said that you would have rather that lauric died and guy hadn't hadn't died but the truth is right. had guy not been dropped then we never would have made it in there and had Guy not actually died in that moment, Cervantes probably would never have killed you. Probably not. It's true. But at the same time, I think your plan was go inside and take you and Dimvarga down in one hit, one big blast. Yeah,
1: I was thinking that the blast would even be enough that I would be permadeath right then.
4: Yeah. And if you hadn't had those extra hit points... yep,
1: it was close. I was thinking, well, I'll just nuke both of us and we'll just you know dust scatter and they'll survive.
4: Yeah. But, like you said, sometimes the roles, they just don't go that way. It's painful. Jeffrey. No. How do you feel? Again. What'd you think? How, how are you feeling? How is Jeffrey feeling?
0: Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's very tragic.
4: Please don't spend this whole uh, podcast trolling Jeremy. Just start to finish, please.
0: Jeremy died.
4: (laughs) No, it was pretty tragic. It was. And terrible. Were you expecting a tragic finale?
0: No, not really. I was expecting some bad things to happen, but not everything bad.
4: Yeah. Did you expect to kill Lorik?
0: No, not at all. So... I don't believe you. I really didn't.
4: <laughs> I don't think he did. He, You know, here, here's I the thing. I expected
0: more to
1: kill Jim than I would expect to kill you.
4: Yeah, I know, right? This is true. Yeah, For I... a
1: minute, I thought we were going to have to murder Jim. I thought this was going to be a battle versus Dimvorga and Jim. <laughs> yeah. And up to that
3: point, I had no idea what was going to happen. And so yeah. I was wondering <laughs> if I was going to have to fight him.
4: You know, that's, that's something that as the DM, uh, as the writer of this story, you know, there was always that question of, what am I going to do with Jim? You know, I I created a lot of possibilities, or, or Alan and I created a lot of possibilities together for Jim, but really, up until probably the week before we recorded, I had not fully settled on exactly how I would handle Jim in the final episode. You know, we nailed down a lot of the major details, but exactly how to handle him, I just, I didn't feel right taking him out of the equation, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like that was fair to Alan. And I didn't feel like that was really Justice for Jim's character either. But at the same time, I also didn't want it to be Alan versus the three of you. I mean, there's some so there's some of that in the finale. You know, the the aspect yeah. where when someone was dropped unconscious that they could be possessed by the power of Dim Varga and used as a sort of puppet. That was an idea that I had and something I thought would be cool to turn you against each other. Especially since that was something that the party struggled with. We had no problem turning ourselves against each other. That's so true. <laughs> I know, right? There was something. It was a theme that kept coming up, and I never intended that, and I don't necessarily think that any of you did either. But it just kept happening, and so I thought it was a sort of poetic justice to have them actually turn against each other physically, but not mentally, for the first time. But yeah, I mean,
1: I, maybe if it had been Lorik and Kellen going at it, that's yeah, true. Well,
4: the dice, you know, it all fell to the dice.
1: The dice. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. So for you, Paul, how long did you mm-hmm. know that Jim had the tattoo on his back? Was like, without, was that always a thing for you, or was that a finale thing?
4: It's been a thing for a while. Um, specifically, Jim kept, or I should say Alan. Alan and Jim kept making jokes about his discomfort with nudity. Oh. And I thought, well, why would Jim care? You know, but, like I know why, because Alan, Alan cares. cares, right, exactly, <laughs> but why would Jim care? And it could just simply have been jim's uncomfortable with nudity. I mean, so many people are I am most people are you know uncomfortable with their own bodies and nudity and things like that, but it was just such a, a running gag with Alan, I thought, why? And you know, I already had this plan of Jim being the sort of vessel for Dimvarga's Vargas' power in that instance, and I just thought that was a cool thing that I could incorporate that would add, you know, a cinematic aspect to it if that makes sense. Yeah, I like it. So that sort of came to me thinking about Jim's fear of nudity, but yeah, it was there it was there for a while before the finale, but it wasn't a thing from the beginning that Jim was introduced. Yeah.
3: What about that scene early on when Jim was bathing in the river and they come up on him and nobody commented <laughs> on his back tattoo?
4: Yeah.
1: What about that scene
4: that, that I don't that <laughs> That's that scene never happened. That's because it didn't happen. Okay, so Kellen, Red, <laughs> yeah, how how are you feeling? How do you feel post finale?
2: It's hard to explain. It's like it was it was a heck of a fight. I don't feel like Kellen did much personally. I, I think that like you know well he's kind of a- Kellen
4: had the the like pivotal killing scene. He was literally the only person left standing. Without Kellen, there is zero victory in this moment. Everybody dies. (laughs)
2: That is true. You took her head off, man.
4: Like, let me let me make that clear. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of talk about railroading, and would you would you have had Kellen been dropped to zero hit points with that last Mm -hmm. attack Mm -hmm. from the dragon? End of story. Everybody dies.
2: That's true. And that was just something else.
4: Not the DM comes up with something. I mean, there's the, there's a the chance that that Vance, well, servance rolled a natural twenty, so maybe he would have gotten back up. M- maybe, but yeah, everyone's down, and it's absolutely one hundred percent death saving throws. And even then, imagine no one rolled a natural twenty. Was some one person rolled and was stable, but the rest were dying. I mean, you all die there. You would have been unconscious for what eight hours. And yep. the uh canopy was tearing itself apart. So you would all have died without a natural twenty.
2: Yeah, that's true. But overall I think I think it was just great, you know. This first mm-hmm. uh first ever podcast season, whatnot. This is I enjoyed it. I had a lot of
4: fun. Did it meet your expectations?
2: Do you mean as far as the finale or just the season itself?
4: The finale. Okay. Well, personally
2: I went in there thinking we were all going to die anyways. So <laughs> that was just my personal belief. I thought, I thought, mm-hmm. I'm guys going to be the first one. Then I thought Jim was going to be the next one. And then I was going to be next. And then Lorik, and then Sarvance. That's what I thought. But it, it totally met my expectations. There were some points that I just, I literally had to pick my jaw off, up off the floor yeah. because, you know, I just like, when there's a dragon crawling out of Jim's back, so it's a little weird to think of. You know. uh,
4: I just left my jaw on the
2: floor. I need to go sweep it up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it absolutely it shocked me, and you know it's it's funny. One of the questions here: How did I prepare for the finale? Is there a certain way that I thought it would play out? And that's actually from Felicia. How did I prepare for the finale? By doing lots and lots of sweating. And uh, crying. <laughs> yes, just tormented over trying to get it perfect. And at the end of the day, you just you can't get it perfect. So how did I prepare? I prepared a lot of things. I wrote a lot of things. If you listen to the finale, the first 30 minutes or so is mostly scenes, or mostly scenes that I've written, that I had written out. Specifically, this is how it would go. To an extent, um, no matter how many times I write it or how specifically I put it out, it always changes in subtle ways, which is great. That's part of DMing. But I had written all of these things and had all this planned out up to the point of role initiative, basically. You know, it's Dimvarga Varga revealing herself. It's Jim's backstory, his true backstory coming out. It's uh, Ovi reaching out to him and all these things. I did not plan for Lorik to do what he was going to do. I did not plan for Servants to say a prayer and for that to go so well. Uh, I did not plan for most of those things, any of those things, really. I had written down some things like this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, and this is how I might would react or how would I react. A lot of times it's like, if this happens, what do I do? Question mark, And that's the end of it because I have no idea what I'm going to do. So that's how I prepared. But from the moment of role initiative, it's I can't tell the story. You know, you guys have to. You guys have to decide what's going to happen, and I'm right there with you along the way, finding out what's happening and seeing what's going. If you'd asked me, what are the odds Servant's actually honest to God sacrifices and kills Larick before the finale? I would have said no. That's not going to happen.
0: Nah,
4: uh, surprise. You know, Jeffrey would make lots of jokes about that because Jeremy and Jeffrey are brothers and they troll one another, and that's that's fine. That's fu- that's great, but. I didn't think it would actually happen. It was the death of Guy that was the catalyst, and I just didn't see it coming. I did not.
1: Jeffrey's like, I don't care what you say.
4: (laughs) He said, you killed Guy.
1: There's nothing you can say. Servants didn't care.
4: And to me, that is 100% Servants. Yeah, it was. Just like it was 100% Loric to try and circumvent what was happening. Loric is always looking for not necessarily an easy way out, but a different way out. Always. This is true. I mean, that's why he's casting spells on Kellen instead of saying, hey, send Charlie back. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> he's always doing those things. That's why when they're fighting the sentinels down in the at the end of the lake before they go up the stairs, he's like, well, I'm just going to fly up the stairs. Because Lark is always trying to think outside the box and look in a different way. And here he sees a chance to find an easier way, a better way in his mind of stopping her. And the result was his death. Catastrophic.
3: Yeah, And with that in mind, like if he hadn't done that, I don't know if we would have been able to pull out the W. Probably not. No. No. Because, I mean, we pretty much all got dropped immediately after the, right before that. Yeah. So it was uh, fortuitous. Tragic as it
4: was. It was. And honestly, it was, the timing was important too. I'm sure that Jeremy would have preferred that. <laughs> Immediately, upon beginning the initiative roll, that I had said, sure, walk on in there. Had that happened, Lark would have died, been dropped to zero hit points, and she would have been still three-quarters of the way up. Yeah, that's just true. And you guys would have probably been wrecked by her. See, and I want to mention this too. The dragons are, I said it in the show, but they're, they're likened to gods. They are...
1: Next level, man.
4: Yeah, they're like angels in a sense, you know, they're above the mortal races in power and in They
1: are the Ishtari
4: pretty much, yes, they are. They're they're very much inspired by that from Tolkien's world, this sort of lesser god type being. There's there's only 10 each each color of the dragons, you know, the metallic and the chromatic dragons, each one represents one of the drake and kelly and there are no other dragons there are dragon born but that's that's they're totally different from one another there there are no other dragons there are no youngling dragons there are no dragons of that caliber they're all these next level fully ancient fully realized more powerful than even the D book makes them dragons the fact is the only reason you guys were able to bring her down in the first place is because Ov.
1: Ov. it yeah. took
4: what? most of her power To bring him down. And so you all were facing a greatly weakened version of her. But even that was too much for, you know, standard back and forth. We do have a lot uh, to discuss. And before we move on, is there anything else that you guys want to say about the finale specifically?
3: Uh, I want to say, so because I live the show, I don't Mm -hmm. often go back and listen to it. Mm Mm-hmm. That, and I hate my own voice, so there's that.
1: (laughs) Same here. Uh,
3: But uh, I went back and listened to the finale once it was released with all the editing. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn because I, you know, I played mostly a vocal role in that, but I was impressed. Like I was listening to this and thinking, man, I enjoyed listening to this. Why haven't I listened to more episodes in the past? (laughs) Uh, so I just want to give props to Paul's editing because I know you're uh, here, here, you guys out there in listener land. I'm sure y'all, uh, y'all know that a lot of effort went into this. But uh, Paul mentioned before, like how did he prepare for it? There was a lot of talk, like a lot of texting me, just saying, "Man, I don't know how I'm going to do this." Or man, like he put hours upon hours in that, and he would never say all this himself. But I just wanted to to throw that out there. It was it's very well done.
0: He's too legit to quit too
1: legit to quit exactly
4: well i appreciate that it did take a lot of work and uh my goal going into the finale was i want this to be as far as editing goes the best that we've had so far and i think it turned out really well so i uh, think thank you sirs i appreciate your yeah
1: hey i'm just happy to got to play in your world it was awesome i love playing in Monumi. Oh, this experience has been one of the best D&D experiences I think we've ever had and the community, the people reaching out and the fans that just all the time sending letters and telling us about, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be just like you, Paul. That's incredible.
4: That is awesome. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, but
1: you ha- you have done a phenomenal job uh, DMing this one. Uh, I love it. I'm just happy I got to play.
4: Thank you. We love you, Paul.
1: Oh, also fans, I'm sorry I, mutter- I murdered Guy. <laughs>
4: you, <laughs> you know, should be. I- he is i think he really is and that i don't think that was his intention so yeah man a nine stop stop, <laughs> stop. I, I looked at that die for like a straight 30 seconds i had to cut out a long pause there because it was just me looking down at it thinking Do i just i let the slide because i went in you know every once in a while a dm will fudge a roll if it helps the story but as badly as i didn't want guy to go it would have been wrong
1: he just wanted, got to go.
4: It would have been wrong to change it in my heart and in my mind. I thought this this is, it is what it is. It's been decided for me. So we're going to move on. Don't worry. We still have plenty to discuss. But before we get into all the questions, our discussion of not just the finale, but the season as a whole here and there, we want to give you just a couple of things. We're going to answer a couple quick questions right now in discussing season two. Oh, we've had a few questions come in asking specific things you know like we had one question from easy breezy one two Three-Z, by the way <laughs> thank you so much for that will there ever be a different cast so yes from season to season we will be rotating most of the time at least one cast member around so in season two Red will not be playing a character unfortunately yeah, Dad. Oh, Dad. oh no, no. So you might say, well, how did you guys decide that? We decided it before we ever recorded. Before we ever recorded the first episode of season one, we discussed the cast for season two and the cast for season three specifically because of the way those th- those two seasons are going to go in terms of how I've sort of outlined the story. So Caleb will be stepping out for season not one. Not
2: Caleb. Not Caleb. Well, your name,
4: Caleb, has been said like five times no, in this it episode. In this- It has.
3: We'll miss you, Red. In the arms of an angel.
4: Red will be stepping out for this season. That's not to say that he won't be back in a future season, but he will not be with us in season two. So we also were asked, will the stories of the separate seasons be linked in any way? Will we see reference to what the current characters have done, or will season two be a completely different story? So this kind of has two questions, and this is from Lucas. Friend of the show, Lucas. Yes, what the characters have done and the events of season one will absolutely be referenced in season two. Will they be pivotal? Not necessarily. So season two is a different story. It is definitely linked to season one. Uh, the way that I've planned this out as the DM is that each season sort of takes up from where season the season before left them. And season two in a way, is more like the first chapter of the story, whereas season one is the prologue. That's kind of the way that I've seen it. Now, it's totally fine if no one else really feels that way. toward it once it's all said and done. That's great. But as far as the story goes, the next seasons will be much more interconnected than how they are to the first season. So will we see what happened to these characters, or will they be referenced? Maybe. They'll be referenced. These characters... I lived in this world. I mean,
3: Jim's cousin, Brackle. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Jim's cousin. If we ever meet Jim's cousin, Brackle, I will kill him, no matter who I'm playing. Oh, my. Immediately.
4: Okay. Well, that's ours. Uh,
1: that's I
0: will save him.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, and there's your trailer for season two right there. It was trailer. Um, No, but season 2 we'll have some cast members. I mean, I just told you Caleb won't be in season two. You can kind of put together who will be. And these things are decided based on certain things behind the scenes, specifically the way we've planned it. Some of these characters for the other seasons we've already created and story we've already crafted from the beginning. And so it'll be shifting around. These characters could come back into play in the future. There's a possibility that oh. there's a future season in which Jeffrey will play Sir Vance, in which oh. Alan will play Jim, in which Kellen will play Red. <laughs> Red will play Kellen. It's a possibility. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not but, saying uh, for sure yes or for sure no, but it's possible. Lorik's dead. Unfortunately, Lorik is... not being in any more stories. He is dead. He has passed on, as has Guy. So A couple other things I want to just mention quickly. Ow. As we go into Season 2, <laughs> we are... The show, I think, has grown in terms of not just us as players and the DM and the story or what have you, but just as how we handle the show behind the scenes. We've recently launched our website. Uh, Yeah. The homepage now has a number of things you can interact with there, social media, viewing our episodes. You can view our attribution. And we're going to be adding more and more things to that as we go along. There's also the possibility of sponsors. So. We're sort of already sponsored by um, BattleBards.com. They allow us to use all of their sound effects and the like. We just have to give them a decent little ad in the show. And we also give out our code, which is MBH Podcast. And if you use that, you can get 15% off of a BattleBards Prime subscription. So if you all do that, if you get that subscription, after we've had a certain number of people use that code and get a subscription, BattleBards bumps us up to the next tier And then we get more things for free and then so on and so forth. It grows. So hopefully you guys are checking that out to help us out. But we're also looking into the possibility of incorporating other small sponsors here and there. Nothing crazy, uh, really just the possibility of helping us become at least self-sustained for now. You know, we're not shut off to the idea of one day growing and trying to monetize in other ways. You know, I know a lot of people come right out the gate doing Patreon and oh, no. coffee and things like that. We don't want to do that. You know, our show, we're trying to build our audience. And if we feel like one day we've reached a point where we have enough of an audience that they would like to give back, then we want to give you guys the opportunity to do that. But we never want to require that. And we never want to put a bunch of things behind a pay gate and things like that. So We will
1: always be free.
4: Yes, 100%. And we're open to the idea of giving you guys a chance to help us make the show at some point. But right now, baby steps. We may incorporate some ads in season two. And if we do, we'll let you know about that ahead of time. And it won't be anything too intrusive. So we are going to be doing giveaways. Yeah, we are. That's something I've always wanted to do and something we're going to start kicking off in season two. So keep your, keep your eyes on social media. You can subscribe to our um, email list on the website and I will send out anytime we do a giveaway or anything sort of special. And that's it. I won't be sending you random emails through the week or anything like that. So that pretty much covers all of our housekeeping. Yeah, that pretty much covers all the housekeeping for now.
3: I've got a question before we go. We talked about season two, but what's our uh-huh. long term plans? Are we talking like six seasons in a movie?
4: I would love that. Let's make let's get the MBH movie going. You know, hey. Um, Live action.
0: Hopefully Netflix. <laughs> Hopefully Netflix.
4: Studio Ghibli. Yes. Check out the website. Just uh, shoot me, drop me a line. Hey, hey what, is our, what is the, our website? Yeah, what's the URL to our website? Spit that out there for the fans. It's uh, makebelieveheroes.com. And you can find that in the show notes along with a link to our social media. And, of course, our email, if you ever want to get in touch with us, it's letters makebelieveheroes.com
0: also find us on myspace
1: oh my gosh are we actually on myspace jeffrey
4: says he's working on myspace we Uh, should make a myspace hey
0: i'm literally going to if you're gonna allow me
4: jeffrey i mean make a myspace i'm doing it okay i mean not right now it'll be done today (laughs) okay (laughs) um here we go let's let's move on to i think what you guys are really here for it's that uh q a you know yeah. That that AMA, if you will. That questionnaire.
2: I was about to say, aren't we here because you told us to get on and record?
4: I mean, yes. So first things first, before we get into all of your questions, and we're going to Let's get lit. I have a question for each of you. And no. It's very simple. And some of you may have already, you know, touched on these things. We're gonna give you a chance to elaborate. And Jeffrey, you're gonna start. Oh. Um, no. <laughs> the question is this. If you could go back and change one decision you made in character or about your character with your character or about the outcome of your character, what would it be?
1: He's stroking his mustache. (laughs) It probably
0: would have pushed the issue with Jim a little farther. That Mm -hmm. might have been what I would have found a better way to go about that because Mm -hmm. clearly (laughs) there was a big problem there.
4: At any point, you guys could have shifted the quest to we've got to find out what's going on with Jim. This has to be important, you know. And as a player, it would have been easy for you to say, yeah, there's a big deal. As a character, there was the suspicion, but it was also always the threat of we have to get to the tree. Yeah. We have to get to the tree. And so I think that kept you guys going forward. But never did I say, as a DM, you can't.
0: Right. I just mean... now, seeing what happened and everything,
4: absolutely, absolutely. I think I understand why you would have gone that way, but yeah, there were times I was definitely thinking to myself, "They're gonna, they're gonna hit the brakes. They're gonna start looking into Jim." I mean, there were times that you guys tried. You know, uh, Lorik tried casting that suggestion spell on Jim, and it backfired; it didn't work out.
2: I tried so hard. We tried holy water.
4: I did things to get in the way, and it, yeah, y'all tried multiple things, but yeah, you definitely could have done that. So. Hmm. No regret for anything you did in the finale? No regret for killing Lorik. You think that was that was Cervantes?
0: As far as Cervantes' character, absolutely not. No regrets. No regrets. Like, he was already, from the beginning, he was mm-hmm. like, why is this guy the hero? It should be me and all that. Yeah, yeah. that was one of his first And then lines. along the way... Loric <laughs> is just a terrible person. So he's <laughs> no, questioning true. legitimately the questioning worst. him the whole time, and then at the very end, he kills his best friend. Yeah, for for life. Hmm. So that just had to happen.
4: What a character arc between Servants and Lorik. What a journey. I'm telling you, epic level.
0: Like of course Servants was going to be loyal to the end, but sure. things didn't turn out that way.
4: Yeah. I agree, wholeheartedly. So, one more thing. What did you love most about your character and contribution to the season? What did you dislike most? So, like, what what's your favorite part about Servants?
0: My favorite part about Servants, The Odachi. <laughs> the one you <he> left <laughs> in the tree. Like I had to yeah, leave it behind. He had to. No more payload for me. So sad. And dislike? Mm-hmm. Mm. I didn't like playing a character who does things like drink and Mm -hmm. sometimes does things that are questionable.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no, I understand that. That's definitely a disconnect between the player and the character. That's always a tough thing to do. But I think it was also a good part of the story that showed your sort of progression. Yeah, for sure. Becoming a sober person. And when I say that, I don't mean in the sense of not drinking. I mean in the sense of your thinking. I think that Cervantes became a more and more sober-minded character the farther we traveled along.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, Alan. Me. If you could go back as Jim and change one decision you made about your character, with your character, or about the outcome of your character, what would it be?
3: Well, uh, I mean, Jim would say that he would go back and never make the pact with Dem Varga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that made it... Things interesting for my character so absolutely and that was actually like a conscious decision from the start to have a mysterious yes um what you call it patron Mm -hmm. so the thing i think i would change is Mm -hmm. so i made uh i made jim being a warlock he was you know high in the charisma and i wanted him to be a very charismatic character and Mm -hmm. i think he was in some ways but in other ways like he was also very aloof and distant he was like a uh a wizard trying to be a warlock mm-hmm. or a warlock trying to be a wizard anyway uh so i think yeah. i think i could have handled that dynamic better like i could have played with that more his uh i think i just leaned mostly into the wizard side of things with his note mm-hmm. note taking and studying and i think i going back i would have tried to be the more charismatic which you know every so often i would try to step up but every time i would stick my foot in my mouth yeah which again i understand again like i think i think there was good things that came out of that but i would have uh been more nuanced with that sort of dichotomy
4: yeah it's a pretty common thing when we get together and we try to be pretty involved in planning our characters. You know, We go through the process of giving them those bonds and flaws, and sometimes we lean into what's in the book, and sometimes we don't. And even when we do go with what's offered as optional things in the book, we always put our own spin on it. But for Jim, I think it's a perfect example of, on paper you said, he's going to be this very charismatic and outgoing and sort of uh, biggest talker in the room sort of guy, but then organically he became something else for you. And I can understand that sort of not so much regret as wish that you could have explored that more. So maybe that's something you can explore more with a future character. I think that pretty much answers the second part as far as what you dislike the most, but what is the thing that you love most about Jim and his contribution to the season?
3: Uh, I think for me, the thing I love most uh, one about playing Jim was just being able to be, like, that mystery about my own backstory, not knowing yeah, uh, what's going to happen. Like, any time we would go into some of Jim's backstory, I was like, oh, no, is Jim going to flip? Is, is... <laughs> He's a devil. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how much of this we, we've said before, but I didn't know up until the end that I knew that something was weird with my patron. I knew there was probably something dark involved. I knew that I was missing memories, but I didn't know that my patron was straight up evil. Right. And so like, it, but you know, there were hints given along the way, but then there was that also that flip with the, uh, not flip, but that, that reveal of Atonia where I was like, Oh, well maybe, maybe my patron's not that bad and just mischievous or something. And then, so I I was left wondering, so that was my favorite part about playing Jim. I think my favorite yeah. part about Jim looking at it more objectively and distance from my involvement is I admire his his quest his single-mindedness in mm-hmm. wanting to obtain knowledge I think it you know it was also one of his weaknesses but I liked that he had that purpose and that he pursued yeah. it with uh, you know I didn't like so much the single-mindedness of it because that got him in trouble but I did like that he grew in the end and learned to temper, what he pursued and what he desired with higher things like justice and rightness, righteousness, instead of just purely knowledge.
4: Yeah, I agree. And we could talk about Jim. Al and I spent a lot of times behind the scenes trying to figure out what was going on with Jim because there was always a, there was always the structure of it, but the details became more and more difficult as it went along. So that was a big aspect of fun for me and a challenge for me as a dm figuring all that out as well so red yes if you could go back and change one decision you made about your character with your character about the outcome of your character what would it be
2: man that's really hard uh i don't know because i feel like uh i played kellen how i really wanted him to go mm-hmm. as far as the character goes uh when I first like decided on what I wanted for a character I, I wanted to go for typically typically I want to go for the funny cracking, mm-hmm. you know you know typical childish you know guy doesn't take a whole lot of things seriously and I think the one thing that I would have wanted to change even though I think it went really well with the story is just mm-hmm the dark stuff that Kellen went through at the very end. Yeah. You know, it almost seems like, you know, at the very beginning he it's happy go lucky, like, yeah, I'll take you to my parents' house. It's no big deal. Blah blah blah. You know, we're gonna have this fun adventure. And it's almost like Kellen comes out of this with PTSD. That that's honestly what I feel yeah. like. Cause it, he's just going through all this emotional trouble trouble, you know, the scene with the boat. Where he, you know, he ends up getting drunk and is just, I mean, an angry, violent person. And I I didn't necessarily enjoy that, like, mm-hmm. personally. Because, you know, that's not the type of person I am. Right. But I think it fit the story really well, you know, with just yeah. Kellen's. you know, everyone has inside of them their own problems. And sure. it just so happened that Kellen's came out.
4: Yeah, and I agree. Yeah,
2: but that's that's about it. I mean,
4: what would you say that you love most about Kellen?
2: Um, I would have to say that I I like his humble uh how do I say it? I I like how he's not too fancy. Does that make sense that yeah. he's not He's a simple guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's so he, fancy. He's a he's a simple man. You know, he his plans were the rest of his life him and Irma were going to live in a tree together. You know, and own probably a little farm.
4: Yeah. But, you know. Kelly is sort of the everyman of the group. Yeah. Um, he He's he, the one that was the least connected to the overall quest. He was just kind of taken along for the journey.
2: Yeah, exactly. And if you really think about it, if it wasn't for the fact that I was playing the character, it makes completely no sense that some random stranger would walk up to a table and be like, Hey, I want to go on an adventure.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know, right?
2: <laughs> but. D&D. D&D. But yeah, I, I I think I just like the, the humbleness of it. You know, this is just some guy who's a a hunter and you know, he you've got a you've got a mate, uh mage, you've got a wizard, you've got a warlock, you've got a paladin. I mean Guy was also that character. But he yeah. he, he stepped it up. Yeah. But I I just that's what I like about uh Kellen.
4: So Jeremy. Yo, if you could go back and change one decision, I know that's hard to just pick one. But if you could yeah, go back and change yeah, yeah. one decision you made about your character, with your character, or about the outcome—creating Lorik. <laughs> there you go, creating Lorik. That's it. Lorik is
1: terrible. Playing no. Lorik is hard.
4: <laughs> now I believe that. I believe playing Lorik is hard.
1: Playing Lorik is hard. Um, man, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything about him. I might would change some of the stupid stuff he said. Yeah, Um, but I don't maybe
4: maybe telling Kellen that he cast a spell on him or maybe who knows casting a spell on Kellen. (laughs) No,
1: maybe probably telling Kellen that he cast a spell on him. Might would change that. Yeah. Um, Wow. I don't know. See, the question is, what do you love and what do you hate about Lorik? Like, I love and hate the exact same things. I love the Mm -hmm. fact that he's so neurotic and weird that uh you know he's like well i know how we can sell this boat and he's he's wand of wandering into the air behind the the mast trying just to fly hoping, a ship just hoping just just standing there with <laughs> just like come on anything but at the same time he just doesn't get reality and i, I guess the one thing i would want to change is developing him as a character into a decent being mm-hmm. because <laughs> he just he just struggled man um and, like, he was learning, but he was learning long and hard.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, the interesting thing about Lark is that he you say he's, a, he's terrible. He is and he isn't because you'll – just a little tease for season two. You'll find out some characters are terrible on purpose. Yes. <laughs> some characters are not. They don't want to be. They want to do right, and they want to make the right decision, but it seems like everything they do – is a screw up. Every time they try to do something right, it always backfires.
1: That's exactly who Lorik is.
4: That's Lorik. And I love him for it. Like, I hate him because of those things <laughs> and those moments when I'm like, Jeremy, why are you doing this? Please don't. But at the same time, I'm never as a DM going to say, you can't. Like, you can't take that character decision. You can't go down that path yeah. because they're your characters and you're the one who decides what that character is and what they do. You yeah. know, I was like, Jeremy, please just shoot a spell at the dragon. You know, <laughs> but that was never going to happen. So no,
1: lorik was going to go down trying to get in there for sure. For With sure. his his plus one to charisma. Ugh, man, I'm telling you, that's just that's what Lork, you change. You give him more charisma. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been Jim. Yeah, there you go. Whenever we finished that, and it was done, and I'm laying in bed, I'm laying mm-hmm. there thinking, oh. I never have to say anything. Like I never have to be like, uh, 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 uh for like 12 hours in a microphone. Uh, I'm like, oh, I don't have to play LORIC anymore. Oh, thank you.
4: <laughs> it's tough. It's a challenge. And it was, at the end, I think LORIC had the pivotal journey in this season. Don't get me wrong. Everyone had their own journeys. Jim's obviously was insane. Sir Vance's seems like it's just getting started. Uh yeah. so there's so many things going on here even with Kellen who is now taking on some new responsibilities and new things and Lorix ended and that makes this sort of his story in a way. I mean he was the beginning and the end of the story. He was the cap, the bookends if you will.
1: I'm so, so sorry he was such terrible bookends.
4: <laughs> no, he was his story is great. It makes, season 1's a tragedy. I did not plan it that way. I did not write it that way. Uh, I did not hope for it to be that way, but that's the way it that's the way it went and uh i'm I love it for what it is I do super fun. Give us some questions, Paul. Here they come they're coming hot and fast, so let for me knock models. out some of these logistic questions up front. Just a couple that have been asked. We can just hit these quick and go uh first, is Jeremy or someone else ever going to d m another question from easy breezy one two three z thank you again yeah. for that uh possibly so Um, We're not going to toss the DM's chair around the room for the overall story of the seasons, the main story. Uh, It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one telling the story, the primary tale. However, we're already um, taking a look at some things and in the works about possibly adding in some bonus episodes here and there, maybe some... Holiday specials, 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 some holiday specials, or you know, even just side quests. Like we did the backstory for Larick, and Jeremy had the idea of just DMing a one shot for that. And so, we're definitely open to the possibility of doing those things here and there, especially maybe between seasons and things, having some bonus material where other people from the show can step into the DM's chair. I so, I
1: really, really want to see Jeffrey DM one. Me too.
4: I'm dying oh, for gosh. it, I'm dying for it. So, that's all that you know. Yes, it's always possible. There's been years. It'll be the
0: best D and D game you'll ever play. There's been years I've waited to see you DM one.
4: Yes, I would please.
2: Pay to be in that game.
4: Yeah, I mean, of all of us playing, get your money the, ready. The five of us. Jeffrey's the only one that's who's only ever been a player.
0: That's why I'm the best player, though.
4: Yeah, that's what, that's why it is. <laughs> um, questions from Sam. A couple questions from Sam. He asks about the recording process. On what day do we record the show? How many episodes we get recorded per session? Uh, he says the continuity is impressive, and he wants to know how much banter gets edited out per episode. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> all of it. So I want you to imagine how Poor many hours <laughs> of gameplay there is, and then you know pretty much double that. So, uh, no, not that much. I'm going to say overall the season, my quick estimate would be 30%. Of the audio that we've recorded, wow, is in the garbage. That's a very high estimate. It's actually probably not an average of that. It's it's probably more like ten or fifteen percent, if I'm being completely honest. But there are definitely some episodes where it's thirty percent. I have sat down to a recording that was an hour and a half long because I knew we had too much junk, and when I was done, it was like fifty minutes. And I was like, "How did this happen?" So oh, we lots can't of help
1: answers. it. We actually enjoy playing with each other and we like, do. ribbing each other. We've been doing this for years. So yeah. That's just how it works.
2: He asked how much, you know, banter and stuff. It just depends Mm -hmm. on the night and how Jeffrey is feeling. That's about it. Uh, (laughs) Um,
4: How many songs played on Jeffrey's phone into the microphone? Let's see. One to three per episode so yes so much banter. Yes. what was that
2: uh, one youtube channel jeffrey the bev and austin oh gosh. or whatever <laughs> those people ben are great Bob.
4: yes and maybe bev one day Bob. we'll release yeah. a rift tracks of don't yes. look them up please It'll It'll don't happen
0: look, nobody Your ears will be around.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So loud. So much screaming. Um, So we typically record on Thursday with Saturdays as pickup days. Usually Uh, we usually record two episodes per session. So we record for about three hours getting two separate episodes out of that. So uh, the soundtrack of the finale was impressive. Sam says dynamically adapting to match the emotion of the content. It is a series of loops that I myself Paul have arranged or is a precomposed score. It's actually an app called Filmstro Pro. I was turned on to that app by Josh from Sneak Attack. He told me about it, and I went and checked it out, and it has added a huge dynamic to editing this show. And if you're interested in using some effects and music, Sam, I, I know that you work with music yourself, so maybe you're not interested in something like that. But for a guy like me who's already spending... Way too much time editing and things like that. It adds a, a very easy and very awesome way for you to create dynamic building of songs that match different moods and things. I would definitely recommend it. You mentioned during an episode on doing an episode on Monumi. Yes, that is how you spell it. And I was hoping you could do something of the sort. Could you possibly publish a guide to the world so we could run our own games in the world you've made? The PDF would be amazing. Yes, please. We had questions like this from Lucas and It's Me Again. There's so many me's. I'm not sure who It's Me Again is, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I would love to do that. The time and effort it would take to put all that together and actually make my notes something that would make sense to someone other than me, uh, it would take a while. So I'm going to say maybe. I would love to do that. It's definitely something I've considered. I've chatted with these guys before about maybe putting something up on DMs Guild uh or even just putting some things out there lucas also asked is it possible to post the character stats on the new website absolutely i think we can do that those we final character sheets get you those character sheets yeah we might we might want to keep something secret here and there but for sure when a season ends maybe we can throw those character sheets up there let you guys see them it's easy since we use D and D beyond yeah So now let's start tossing some questions around. Okay, let's, we're going to just kind of go randomly here. All right. For the players, what was the hardest thing about playing the character you chose? I think we've kind of covered that. I mean, for Jim, it was, it was what, what would be the hardest thing for Jim?
3: For Jim, I would say one, I'd say there are two, two things. One was just, I mentioned already keeping that dynamic between intellectual and charismatic uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a Brian Green type, uh, Stephen Hawking type, Neil Tyson type. You know, smart but <laughs> yeah. also good at speaking. But then also, uh, I think part of it was not knowing things about Jim's past. And every so often, like, I'd be asked a question and I'd have to play it. On on one hand, I'm glad I didn't know because then I could play it like legit. Oh, I, I don't know for serious. And the the player conflict that resulted from that occasionally was challenging to play, but I think it was good and uh better than if I, you know, had Jim's backstory all laid out before me and had to answer those sort of questions.
1: It was definitely just being Loric. Loric's the
4: worst. Yeah, the neurosis, the stuttering, jittery. It's
1: so bad that I would be running D and D games just like outside of MBH just for mm-hmm. fun, and would like be a NPC. And so the next thing I know, she's stuttering. They're like, "You're not Lork right now," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!"
4: Yeah, I mean, Jeremy is a great DM. And it's so funny when that happens. We were recording his uh, backstory episode. There were so many times as I edited it that I had to take him out going, I'm not Loric. Or when he was playing Loric, <laughs> I'm not jittery nervous Laric, So that's definitely the thing for him. What's the hardest thing about playing Servants? I bet you can't guess. What is it? You don't know? I know what it is. I'm asking you.
0: What, playing a character? No. Yes. <laughs> Having to speak? No, what is it, Paul? Praying. Praying. Yes,
4: <laughs> Yes, that was definitely it. 45 minutes of dead air silence waiting for something to come like, out.
1: We'd be like, okay. He's like, okay, you pray. And Jeffrey's like, okay. And he would literally, he'll he'll grab his beard or his mustache and, and he'll sit there and he'll just rub it. And, <laughs> and he'll just stare all in his face. And then like 15 minutes. minutes after that, he'd start crack, crack, you know, just crack it up. And it's like, Jeffrey, really, man?
0: I pray. It's because... <laughs> It's because I, <laughs> I mean, I'm a Christian in real life, and so yeah. it's kind of weird.
4: Absolutely, I, I, I don't know what I mean, there is there is a sort of separation there that makes it awkward, and it was it was it was definitely a source of humor for all of us when Jeffrey would encounter that. So I feel your pain. Red, what's the hardest thing about playing Kellen? I feel like you sort of said it was basically all the dark, yeah, backstory.
2: It's like you know,
4: the depression. Or,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. because. I am a fun outgoing person and that just kind of, I mean, it's a real, it's a real issue and it's real stuff that happens in everyday life, but absolutely. It bothers me personally. Cause I, I try to block all that out, you know, and
4: repression. Almost, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the easiest way to heal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just take all my problems. That's healthy. I take all my problems and lock them in the basement. That's what I do. Right. No, but, uh, almost you know when you're playing the character you go through the same mental process that they're going yeah. through i mean you're the yeah. mind behind the character yeah. so when kellen was going through all that i i actually had times where uh i would shed some tears because yeah, it's, it, it's it's mentally stressful you know yeah with a whole irma backstory thing you know i've never lost a loved one like that but that would be hard
4: you know yeah for sure
2: Especially at such a young age, you know, Cullen was like, what, 23? and then Something known, like that. Yeah, he's basically yeah. a kid, but whatever. You know, that was probably the hardest thing.
4: Yeah, I I like that. I agree. I agree. That would be tough. Uh, let's see. here, one for me I'll just mention quickly. Can we get a full backstory for Guy from The Lonely Cheese?
2: The Lonely <laughs> the Cheese.
4: Lonely Cheese. Lonely Cheese I feel like that would be the most boring story ever told. <laughs> um, Guy was never meant to be what he became. That's uh, <laughs> so true. While we're here, I want to just get into all these. There's a lot of questions about guys. as you might imagine, because of the <laughs> outcome of the finale. For example, this one is from Ryan Fletcher with collaboration from Becky. Uh, why did Paul not give Jeffrey control of Guy, but instead inserted himself into the story as Guy? was it to help steer the narrative or did i just want to play a character or did being the dm did being the dm affect guys actions also why is guy so great so that's a lot um, why <laughs> did not I give jeffrey control of guy because
1: because jeffrey would have to talk twice as much exactly <laughs> there would have been a lot
4: more waiting for us what you guys for jeffrey to say, to say. <laughs> let me refer you to what is it episode 35 or 36 when uh, jeffrey becomes the voice of roan Oh. <laughs> um, he is literally speaking in the voice of Roan as if he's Servants. He says, Ask the real me.
0: <laughs> that was the greatest line in the show. I don't know that, what you're talking <laughs> <about>. <laughs> that would have been. God.
4: <laughs> so uh, I really don't think Jeffrey wanted to. Did you, Jeffrey?
0: No, not really.
4: I mean, it just sort of came about, Jeffrey decided to take the knight background when he created Servants, mainly because it mentioned him having retainers, he thought that would be really cool. And if you listen to the first episode, he's like, well, I've got three retainers. I'm like, are you really want to take all three of these characters with you on this whole journey? <laughs> like, I don't want to play all these NPCs every episode. Um, and I'm like, just pick one. And so he took Guy, and... Originally, if you listen to those first few episodes, my take on Guy is that he's this sort of timid, scared guy (laughs) who's along for the journey. But naturally, as they're going through all these things, he's a living, breathing character. So for me, he developed. Was it for me to help steer the narrative? No, but I think sometimes I did do that. Listening back, there's times where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. What's done is done. There were definitely points where, as guy, I said things or did things because I thought no one else is doing it. Not because I thought my players aren't playing D and D right, but I thought these characters are so broken in this (laughs) particular way that they're they need something. And so, guy sort of became not so much a steering mechanism as a moral compass.
1: Yeah, as a standard human who uh, didn't have (laughs) you know abuse issues, lost fiance. Yeah. Memory loss, PTSD, PTSD, <laughs> and I think
4: that that's also a big part of the reason as to why Guy is so great.
1: Do you know, Paul, at one point you told me whenever we were coming up with Lord's backstory, we were talking about it. When you said it needs to be something like I didn't know everybody else's backstory, you're like, it needs to be something not tragic because we got a lot of tragedy right now. It's so <laughs> and true, we still landed on his tragic. dad. <laughs>
4: Well, you see, that sort of came organically, too, because in the in the beginning, Lorik didn't have that messed up dad. I mean, in the beginning, everything was pretty normal and we had to sort of adjust the continuity without breaking it, which is a challenge. Uh, There was a comment earlier by Sam, like, how is the continuity so fluid? Hard work. (laughs) <laughs> um, my advice to you if you're thinking about making a D&D podcast is nail the continuity down for everyone 100% before you begin uh, otherwise there's a lot of scrambling I think we did pretty good oh, with man. it but it definitely took some work some
1: of it was scrambling because you know the first time Lorik says um, my dad casts spells on me all the time whenever he's talking in, in the canopy mm-hmm. when they first get there that's the first time I'd ever said that and I'm pretty sure it's the first time I ever even thought that Yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that's where his backstory came from.
4: Was Lorik said
1: that, and I was like, "Mm, "That's it. That explains everything."
4: We had discussed that his dad was basically this despicable, racist, just terrible human being, uh, because in spite of the fact that there was a joke made early on about we're all a little racist and that's okay, that was 100 percent an inappropriate joke. Racism's not okay. We hate it, and we hate Lorik's dad. So that was the way for us to make him this normal character who behind the scenes is actually a monster without him being like a serial killer. He's just an abusive, racist, xenophobe who is the worst. And literally, these things sort of developed naturally and we had to sort of react to the way these characters came out. And Lark's issues, we felt like that Lark was a good person Who was damaged by his upbringing and by the things his dad would do to him? So, did I just want to play? I love playing a character. I love it. I did not want to play one for this whole season. Uh, You can see that in the fact that, especially early on, I kept forgetting Guy was there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, they'd be like, "What about Guy?" I'm like, (laughs) "So, yeah, that's a that's a thing." Guy is an interesting anomaly. Rebecca had asked in her own question, why not let Cervantes control Guy like Kellen controls Charlie? Jeffrey didn't want to. I I felt like putting that on Jeffrey would have been unfair to him. I kind of felt like it was my responsibility to run that. That being said, I did let the players help at times with certain things. She wanted us to discuss the implications and ethics involved in inserting the DM into the party as a long-term NPC, especially when the character becomes a fan favorite. So it's sort of the same thing we've already discussed, which is... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the quote DMNP the DMPC. I understand why it's there, and it's fine for like beginner players, especially. That's not what this was. I always wanted Guy to be reactive, not proactive. And there was a couple times maybe Guy in never s- made any decisions.
1: No, no. And he was he was a. What was it? A servant or what is it called? Retainer. 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 He's a retainer. He was a retainer of Servance, and Paul did a really good job of playing him as totally bowing to Servance's opinion. I mean, he would—he was the moral compass, and that's because he was the only one that wasn't broken. But Paul did a real good job of, you know, not using him to direct us, to influence decisions, to make us feel a certain way about something. I've had. When running games before, I like the idea of like the the book imp in the backpack kind of deal where instead of asking the DM, they can tap the backpack and the book imp comes out and they talk to the imp about well, what should we do kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. he, Paul never even did that with Guy. Servants couldn't walk over to Guy and be like, where do you think we should go? You know what I mean? Paul yeah. would never have answered that way because Guy would just be like, what do you mean? Where do you think we should go?
4: There was one time I think Caleb asked Guy a very specific question about what they should do. And Guy was like, I don't know. And Caleb yeah. was like, well, I was hoping the DM would tell us. I'm like, no, not that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Not how it works. Guy is basically Scooby-Doo. He's this character that everyone in the party loves who is the glue that holds them together but is basically non-essential to every decision that is made and just along for the ride. So um, that was the way I tried consciously to play him. There was one specific time where I, I made a conscious decision where they were trying to figure out what to do. And I was, I was, um, I don't remember who had asked the question or what it was, but someone said, What should, how, what do I do? And Guy's answer was, You ask Sir Vance." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you look at him and say, Sir Vance, will you talk to him for me? You know, I think it was during the conflict between Kellen and uh, Larick. So that's Guy. It, it just sort of happened. To answer it a little further, there will be no DM regular NPC slash PC constantly there trailing with the party in season two or probably any of the future seasons. So uh, I loved playing guy. He became a staple of the community, but that's, that's just the way it is. And we love, and we miss him. Wow. I wept Ooh. over guy. I cried real tears. Yeah, that was, that was very you sad. You
3: can say where
4: the road goes. Oh right. my Le- God. Let's
1: wrap, let's rapid fire some questions. We're running okay. out of time.
4: Uh, from he likes my ears. Loric, will you marry me? <laughs>
0: Oh, my he God. He likes my ears? <laughs> yeah,
4: that's the name that they gave us. Well,
1: uh, Lork's dead,
4: so <laughs> oh, Lork will boy. marry
0: no
1: one. You know any <laughs> necromancers? <laughs> the Corpse's <laughs> Bride? Wait, The Corpse's Bride, isn't that a movie? The Corpse's Bride, that's the thing. If you can resurrect Lork, then he's in. But, I mean, last I saw him, he was nailed to a tree with an odachi, so.
2: Also, okay. his last relationship was terrible. That's true. I mean, <laughs> his last but was she did terrible. Get, you get, she turned out to be a real witch.
0: nailed down with a... Uh, an Odachi that was empowered by Paylor. And there was... and I, You know, the way he described it when that Radiant stuff went into you? I'm just saying. It was kind of
2: weird. Lork's going to come back as a lich. And you also have a box Dang. boat. So okay. there you go.
4: we got to move quickly. If you... Give me a gut reaction on these. Um, if you had to play mm-hmm. one of the characters, this is from another from Rebecca, other than your own, which would you choose and why?
1: Kellen... What? Why? Because Kellen have been so much fun. Okay. He was like multi-classing and. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <coughs> Kellen would have been fun to play.
4: Red. Uh,
2: I would have to say. Gosh. Can I choose NPCs? Are you going to pick Guy? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you <he> can't <laughs> choose Charlie. Can oh, okay. Charlie. I was going to say, Charlie had a really great time and he was just kind of like a better. Yeah, yeah. I can
4: see that. No, it's gotta be yeah. one of the other players' characters.
2: Um definitely not Loric. Uh, <laughs> Vance. Actually, you know what? I would love to play Cervantes. I feel like Cervantes yeah, had a really bad uh backstory as far as like you know hard times, but Tragic. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it would have been, it a, been a really fun character. Yeah.
4: Okay. Jeffrey.
2: Uh
0: definitely Jim. Yeah. He was great.
4: Jim was really interesting. very
0: mysterious.
4: Yes, very mysterious. Mm. I love that. Me too. That would have been a lot of fun to play. Alan,
3: uh, I was going to say Sir Vance because I liked his uh, his nobility, his just his honor. Uh, but since Kellen's or uh, Red said Sir Vance, I'll say Lark because I like magic users and I like you know just dealing with that outsider mentality. So mm-hmm. uh, I would have enjoyed. Uh, uh, I probably would have gone a different way than Jeremy did with For him. For sure. Uh, probably still would have been a terrible person, Laura. I mean, <laughs> but in different ways.
4: Yeah. I love Who those Who would answers. you have played, Paul? Who would I have played? Oh, man, I hadn't even thought about this. Um, oh, I think the one that I would have most liked to have played is either Cervantes or Jim, and I'm leaning toward Jim, mainly because those are characters I've never really played um, whereas I have played the Neurotic Wizard and I've definitely played the Heroic Ranger for mm-hmm. a long time. So I love the Mysterious Matter of Jim and I would love to have played with that and leaned into that myself. So, yeah, boy. Nice. Good question.
2: I do have to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like to play Servants now with the Path of the Oathbreaker or whatever.
4: The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. That's a good question, which is actually brought up um, I- about Servance's outcome, what happens with him. Are there any plans for or interest in the continuation of the story, Sans, Lark, and Guy? What about a redemption story for Servance or a Lark, and Guy sequel in the afterlife? Um, yes and no. Probably not a Lark, and Guy sequel in the afterlife, like a buddy cop story, <laughs> Lark, and Guy going around. No, nothing like that. But is there. Uh, in the mine Hills? Interest of the continuation of the story? Um, there's going to be an epilogue episode coming out in the next week or two. So keep your eye out for that and you'll get your answer. Sort of. <laughs> the answer is not in season two. Uh, maybe in the future. So just keep your ears out for that next thing. Uh, let's see. Is there any chance for Servants to become a paladin again? So, Jeffrey, do you think there's any chance of Servants becoming a paladin again? Like a true paladin?
0: Definitely not.
4: Definitely not.
0: No. He's done.
4: So is he then a Oathbreaker? I could see him being an Oathbreaker. Yeah. I For could sure. absolutely see that. I think that would be really interesting too. Yeah. That would be Very. really cool.
0: That's like awesome. <laughs> yeah. And terrible, but awesome.
4: So we had a question from Sam. And I'll give you all this comment just because it's a great comment. He said he listened to the finale at home by himself during a thunderstorm. And it was amazing. So, yeah, that's that funny. that's probably the best way ever to listen to it. So you should listen. You should wait for the next thunderstorm and listen to it at home alone in the dark. Uh, he said he'd be lying <laughs> if he said that he was not weeping at the end. And, geez, that just really – thank you guys for being so awesome and for being so invested in our story. We just – I'm personally just incredibly humbled and amazed by this whole thing. And uh, he asked how we felt about the finale, and we've already answered that. But just wanted to give you guys that comment. So a Chris R. or Seeker7171 from Twitter asked, Did Servants lose his oath because he killed Loric with the Divine Smite or because he killed Loric out of vengeance flat out? What do you think, Jeffrey?
0: Um, I think him killing him in general probably. Yeah. Because, uh, like, Luric's intentions weren't necessarily evil, and mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily really an evil character. He was trying to do, trying, I guess, to do good, mm-hmm. even though he did something terrible. Yeah. The guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that is really the main reason, but yeah. that divine smite didn't help anything.
4: Yeah. It's like he helped. It's like he used the power of paylor to do this. It's really an evil de- deed, killing someone, because they did something to hurt you, essentially. Yeah. I mean it was it was vengeance. Yeah. And he asked what type of paladin you were. Like what was your oath? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. What's the the it's the it's like the main one. You can look that up if you want to. We'll move on to yeah, another question. Do it. This is from Braden Rojas, number one fan of the show. Yeah. Brayden, by the way, Braden. You, you rock. You're the best. You are the man. You are awesome. If each of the characters had the wish spell, what would they use it for? Quick oh, answer.
1: Lorik would have said, I, I wish to save the tree.
4: Yeah, I mean, that that's easy.
1: Done. Jim. Finished.
3: Uh, during the campaign, he would have wished for knowledge, of course. He would have wished both mm-hmm. for his memories back and just general secret knowledge. After the finale, he would have wished for uh, redemption, being able to... Know where the stone was and uh not just know it but be able to get there and do something about it. As far as the, he he would stretch the wish spell as far as he could trying to get to that
1: stone. All right. Jeffrey Yeah, Lorc's also an idiot though, so Lorc may have said, I wish for a magic item to save the tree.
4: <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> uh Jeffrey, what would you use the wish for wish spell for?
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh
2: my god.
4: Any idea?
0: Oh uh, man! I mean, there's anything you could wish for, though that's really hard to say.
1: It is, but um, in the end, you could have wished God back life.
0: Yeah, that would have been at the end for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but before that, maybe maybe his parents. Yeah.
4: So much tragedy, Kellen. I think also, we all know.
0: Can I say something real quick? Yeah. It's, uh, Servants was a paladin with
2: the oath of devotion.
4: Yeah, that's that's the one I thought it was. So that's why you have Not now broken anymore. your oath, Kellen.
2: Uh, it's pretty simple, you know, Kellen. Eh, whenever, depending on whenever point in the story, he would have got the wish. He would have wished that he was in an old farmhouse right next to his mom and dad's house with Irma and a baby. Yeah. So geez. and a baby, get him, Kellen. Yeah, that's that's what Kellen would have done, man. He probably would have asked for a good harvest, but yeah,
4: yeah. We're coming down into the last 10 or so minutes, so we're going to try and get through the rest of these as quickly as we can. Go. Some of these are huge questions uh, that would take 30 minutes to an hour to really get into. So one of those is, Paul, how long did it take to build Monumi? What gave you ideas for different parts of the world from (laughs) Not Batman? So uh, Not Batman, I borrowed from lots of things. Uh, Tolkien, we've already mentioned some ways that was connected. I could go into the specifics of how those things are all connected from D&D lore. Uh, I actually took some inspiration for Dim Varga and the whole boss battle at the end from a character from My Hero Academia. Uh was Ooh, a big part oh of inspiration for that. Tokoyami? Yes, and Dark Shadow. If you awesome. haven't watched that, you should check it out. So That was my image the whole time we were fighting Dim Varga at the end. How she's like connected w- by the tail to the dragon around her waist. Yeah. Um, especially
0: when he loses control
4: yes do i have any stories yes. or forks the group didn't hit on items i wish they'd found town in the desert with great task or story they missed because of the exploding ship incident the answer to that is yes and no so i had a list of things they could potentially have done in the desert or in the forest things that they could have run into that decisions they made pushed them this way or that way and then some of those things just got scrapped for the sake of just timing and moving the story forward and pacing, which was, I feel like, something that I struggled with at times during the season. So I'm not going to mention those things uh, specifically because whenever I miss an opportunity, if it's something that I think is cool and interesting, I'm going to stick it in my back pocket and use, use it later. it later. So, uh, you know, some of those things may come out in the future. And if they do, maybe I'll throw you a uh, bone and let you know, hey, this is something that was a possibility. There are definitely more so like story and town and people than items a lot of times sometimes i like to be random with that sometimes more specific for example the wand of wonders was something i specifically chose the boat of the box boat was not uh things like that and this was a question from wells let's see mason threw me a question he wanted to know whenever you all ran into saloon in the autumn stag were you all transported to a new place was she transported to you how did that work she came into the, uh, the grove. She was definitely transported there. So as yeah. to how that worked, may, there was some specifics behind the scenes with Elevon Ray getting the gate shut in time and the fight and the things going on in the canopy. Was there any hope of victory? Could they have stopped the stone from being taken? So yes and no. For me, as a storyteller and going into the next few seasons, I decided from the beginning... They would not get the stone. Or if they did, someone else would take it. Like the stone had to come into play for the rest of the story. So could they have, what? quote, saved the stone? No, the stone was always going. I mean, that's pretty apparent in the fact that nothing that they did or didn't do caused the stone to escape at the end. But, so you tell me
1: that if I'd found the wish spell and wished to save the tree, we still would have lost?
4: No, if you'd found the wish spell, who knows what would have happened. So, yeah, if they found the wish spell, there's my answer. No, but there was always the chance for more victory or more loss. So, more victory would have been no one dies, they defeat Dimvarga, they leave without the stone, and the tree in the grove is dying, but they are now, they know what's happening, they're moving forward. So, they had a partial victory in that they defeated Dimvarga. They did. They beat her. They won. The stone was set free. So... You know, Sometimes for storytelling, there are portions of it that, that have to go a certain way in order for it to go forward from there. So I think I think that's just a big part of DMing and telling a story. Sam asked for some clarification on the door locking there at the end, getting through that door with the different symbols. The short answer is each person had to have a portion of how to open that door, and it was present there. The only one that did not was Dervetter. And so that was the whole purpose of the tattoo. It was kind of something that I shoehorned in there, but as a DM, it also made sense to me because of the fact that Dervetter is the husband of Atonia. Ooh. So he was more actively involved in protecting the stone. And that was sort of his, if you can defeat, if you can beat this task, if you can beat this, this trial, then I'll give you my blessing to go forward. And that was the purpose of the tattoo and all of that with... Uh, With Kellen. So let's see. What's everyone's favorite episode? And I know, like Alan said, some of you haven't listened through every episode, but you can undoubtedly call out favorite moments from the show so far. From Braden Rojas.
1: I'm on a boat.
4: So that's your favorite episode? That was
1: awesome. That's probably not my favorite episode, but that's one of them for sure. That's a great
4: episode. Yeah. It's
1: a wonderful
2: episode.
3: I mean, the finale is mine, but second to that, I would say uh, the boat. Just the the whole discussion of...
4: Gosh, that boat. We've got to get that
3: this off awesome. the ground or something. Yeah. yeah, Flying it through the desert. And and just Paul's DM reaction like, no, th- th- this, this <laughs> isn't, no. And we just persisted. <laughs> this is not I'm happening. not going to let it happen. I'm not going to let it happen.
4: Uh, Next yes. episode. <laughs> Jeffrey?
0: I mean... The boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, the finale. The finale is definitely the uh, best episode. I'm sure. I think
1: Cervantes' origin but story yeah, might was gonna be one of the best Cervance's episodes. Cervantes' origin story was. Yeah, it's a fantastic. I, episode. Yeah, I enjoyed all, really all the origin stories. Um, I loved Lorix. I had fun with that one. Yeah. I like Jim's too, but
0: yeah. Cervantes' origin story probably after the
4: finale. Keep your eyes open for more from Jim. By the way. Backstory.
1: What?
4: Ooh. Coming. Yeah, because
1: the first one was just him reading. Jeez. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's technically him speaking in his magic quill transcribing. But yes, uh, more on that coming very soon.
1: Yeah, th- didn't somebody?
3: Didn't somebody comment like, uh, "Oh, that was Jim just rambling." That <laughs> yeah. was. Uh, that may have been intentional.
4: It was very intentional. Red favorite episode.
2: Favorite episode. Um, I probably the boat. I'm going to be honest. We <laughs> flew we flew a boat across the
4: desert. Yeah, that was yeah, a great one. In word. the sky. For me, if I had to pick some, the finale is the best for me.
1: No, Paul's favorite episode was playing Lorik and Saloon on the rooftop. Oh, <laughs> romantic. gosh. Yes. No, hoping I, I hoping that, that. that he wasn't going to have to role play out me and him making
4: out. Yeah, um my my favorite episode, it's funny, <laughs> was episode 24. Uh, is another one of my favorite episodes, which is the Night Terrors episode. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, that was cool. a good one. Having everyone take their headphones off and doing separate vignettes for each one and just messing with their brains was a ton of fun for me, so that was a big part of it. Um, I don't know. There's so many, so, yeah. The Great question. Comments. Great question, Brayden. Uh, do we have any other ongoing games of D&D? Yes. Alan and I play in a somewhat bi-weekly campaign that he DMs online. Um, Jeremy is supposed to be getting a game going for us sometime. I have a couple games that we play like once every six months now that I have a podcast with Red and some of his family and some of our friends from the youth group at the church and stuff. So we all have games going on. I have it, a game that me and Paul and Zach play. Yeah, we have games that Caleb is DMing that I'm DMing. It, we all play D&D outside, although I will say it has become. Except less frequ- me. Less frequent. Well, you still you play sometimes.
1: You, we still have awesome and breeze, No man. one ever invites me. Oh yeah,
4: that's what it is, <laughs> Jeffrey. Uh, that
2: evil campaign. Oh, oh yeah, that one too?
4: Man, we we are running out of time. If we uh, if we if we don't get to any of these, feel free to email me. Email letters at makebelieveheroes.com or holler at us on Twitter, and I'll be glad to answer them in that way. But we we do have to hard stop here in just a second. But uh, let's see. Last questions here. Last ones. How are the characters chosen? All too often there's the, quote, we need a healer, end quote, et cetera. Was that done here? And this is a question from Wells. So there was not the I need a healer thing going on I here.
2: Need a
4: that being said, I did try to um, make sure that everyone, that we weren't just copying the same character, that everyone's character was different from one another. Uh, I did. I do remember being involved more with um, Jeffrey and Jeremy's characters, just because we had this idea for the story, and I said I need a character who is a sort of divine character to fit this sort of person who is sent by the church more or less on this quest. And then we talked about Lorik's character and how he was probably going to be a wizard because he was from Vent Haven and all those things. But no, we didn't do the I need a healer, I need this, etc. But we definitely have an active role together in making these characters. But for the most part, I say, hey, what's the type of character you'd love to play?
1: Yeah, it was like a 10-minute conversation. It, it He's like, you're going to be from this place, and you're going to be from a family called the Dark Bolts. That was yeah. what you you gave me. And I'm that like, was "Okay, it. That was it. And 10 minutes later, we had a neurotic wizard. So,
4: In Season 2, should we expect the same style of game? It's been travel in Season 1. Will it be different in Season 2? Uh, also, how's the party going to react to the deaths of Guy and Larrick? Will the party become negative and depressed? Uh, there's another question about what happened to the canopy and Elvanre. Uh Will we continue the story without Laric and Guy? So these are all things that will be answered partially in the epilogue episode that's coming up here just in about a week or so. So you can uh, stay tuned for that. Some of those answers will be coming in. I hate to say it, but we're out of time. No. So I do just want to answer one more question, which is, is there a chance you will go to a gaming convention and play live? This is something we got from a couple different people. Yeah, Gen it's possible. Con next year. Uh, Jeremy out. Jeremy, and I ran a game each at Gen Con last, this past year, and we're planning on going again next year. Uh, it's possible that we could just run a game where we all play live if we feel like that's something that you all would like to do. It's definitely possible, and likely that we will run games for players set in Monumi at uh, next year's convention. So
1: I have my heart set that Gen Con next year, we will be a much bigger force and hopefully, hopefully Paul be running games every day.
4: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I do want to mention this one more from it's me again. And something we'll consider is have we thought about running a prequel in the podcast with the gods as the original adventuring party? easy to see Atonia as the gnome druid, Prevalion as the elf wizard, devreder as a dwarven fighter, and paylor as a human paladin or cleric. So that's a great idea, and consider it stolen. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's stolen something I've content. thought about, you know, doing some prequel stuff. I've, I'm planning on doing an episode on the world building of Manumi. It's just it's just time, you know, it's just time to get together, do it and edit it and put it out and make it something that's interesting and unique. So yes, we'll keep that in mind going forward into the future. So closing thoughts, Jeremy?
1: Oh man, what a season. Okay. Fans, thank you. You're amazing. Keep pumping the love our way and we'll keep making excellent content. Uh, Paul, excellent job. Uh, we've dreamed and talked about this, and we have made it through an entire season. Um, Don't I, cry. I mean, I, I'm out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> for you in particular, this is a huge accomplishment, and I'm very proud of you. I'm very impressed. Um, I can't wait to see where it goes. Super excited to see what happens in season two. Yeah, hold on, guys, because what you saw is just—I mean, it's the beginning. You—you've you've only seen a glimmer of what D and D can do, and what storytelling with this group you're going to see. Jeffrey? Wow. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Good job, guys. Uh red. I'm terrible at goodbye speeches, but um
4: I don't wanna go. I don't want to go.
2: But uh I would definitely have to say, you know, thank you to the fans and all the people who listen, you know. My mom gives me a lot of grief about recording, so <laughs> it it definitely is it's worthwhile, but you know it's it's been fun, and hopefully you know I get to see y'all on you know other seasons for sure, definitely Alan it's been a
3: blast uh, when we first started up, y'all were talking about d and d podcasts. I was like, man, I'd love to be involved. just don't know if I had the time if I have the time, yeah, but uh, I'm glad I made the time. And yeah. it's been fun. It's been great hearing from listeners. I th- want to thank everyone who listens. I'm still amazed that people listen to shows <laughs> that I'm a part of. <laughs> I know, uh, right? I know, yeah. Uh, but even then, like, just listening back myself, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of something that is enjoyable. Yeah. And That was awesome. Even if nobody listened, I would still play and have a good time. But it just makes yeah. it so much sweeter that other people can enjoy this as well
4: yes I wholeheartedly agree with all of you and I love each of you individually and collectively so we're going this is the end of season one we are going to have an epilogue hopefully next Monday as well as you can look forward to part two of Jim's backstory the origin story Mm -hmm. and maybe some teases for season two and then we'll be launching season two here in just a few weeks I guarantee we will have content for you each week uh, we're not going to let you go on Monday without something in that feed. Subscribe. So stay tuned to that. And I want to give one final shout out to Sam, a friend who sent in some questions for us. He has a website, audio by Sam and he actually made some fan art for us. And you may have heard that when this episode began with the eighties cover of our opening. And we are super, <laughs> super thankful for that. Thank you so much, Sam, for that. And we hope that all of you enjoyed listening to that really awesome eighties remix of the intro music. And uh, you should check his website out at Audio by Sam. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.